and welcome. I am your host, Emma Gunnar-Wardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you, whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. My guest in this episode of the podcast is podcaster and writer Gemma Stiles, who many of you may know from her wonderful podcast, Good Influence. I love the premise of her show and how she explores subjects and isn't afraid to go a little bit deeper and explore a little bit further. And where you could say this is especially true is in the way she is able to discuss mental health with her guests, both by being vulnerable and sharing her own experiences, but by being able to keep quite heavy subjects chatty and incredibly accessible. Now, you may have heard me say on this podcast before that I don't mind looking silly and asking a dumb question when it comes to my guests. But as Gemma says, there is no such thing as a stupid question. And how on earth are you supposed to know something if you haven't learned it? So in this episode, we discuss the subject she's felt compelled to discuss on her podcast. And we also discuss our own experiences with anxiety and depression. And listeners, we don't hold back. This is one of the most raw and exposing conversations I've had on this podcast. And I really appreciate that Gemma was willing to go there with me. I think both of us, because we've both been through our own experiences and we've known what that darkness can be like, I think we're both very keen to share as much as possible to help anyone listening who may be experiencing something similar in the hope that something we say may be the beginning of a way out of that feeling. Also, if you're someone who doesn't struggle with your mental health, I encourage you to listen anyway, as it may help you gain a better understanding of those around you who may need your support, or it may just give you a better sense of what they may be feeling. During our conversation, Gemma and I talk about being diagnosed and what that really feels like, what it's like to be terrified by your own thoughts, how paying attention to how you're feeling and noting when things might be going in the wrong direction is a skill worth learning the benefits of having an SOS system in place with your friends, even if it's an emoji, just so they know that you might need them or you might might not be at a, operating at 100%. We also discuss the superpower, because that's how we like to frame it, of being highly sensitive, the role of self-esteem and how that has played a role for both of us in both of our issues and much, much more. The links to Gemma and to Good Influence are in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. But please do join me in welcoming Gemma Styles onto The Emma Gunn Show. Welcome to The Emma Gunn Show, Gemma Styles. It's so nice to see you and have you on the show. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to have a little chat to you today. Yeah, right. So you have an excellent podcast called Good Influence. And one of the things I really enjoyed about the premise of that is it's very much about shedding light on topics that maybe don't hit the mainstream. Would you say that's a good way of describing it? Yeah, quite possibly. I think it's one of those things where I think if you are somebody who is quite, how do I say, on the ball maybe with like trying to like learn about different things, then maybe we do cover things that you might have come across before, but then 
my aim is to kind of get somebody on who's got either a bit of expertise or you know has got the experience under their belt and then we can sort of deep dive into those things a little bit more um and importantly from my point of view is we have like a Q&A section so listeners of the podcast can ask directly these sort of people who have more experience their questions as well so you get more perspectives and Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of it was important to me to kind of make it a really chatty and sort of welcoming kind of space because I think I mean one of the things that I'm passionate about is that you don't know something if you've never learned it but it's also quite um daunting to try and get a handle on some of these topics when it seems like everybody else already knows what's going on and you're maybe not sure so making it quite accessible the conversations was really important to me so yeah by people being able to then send in questions it can be you know from no understanding of a topic you could be coming in and then you know through the episodes hopefully we dive in a little bit deeper that was a really long answer I don't know if that's even what you asked me no I I really like it because it reminds me of it, this always comes back as this memory of, of of just sheer chill and fear that runs down my back and it was when I started a new school and they do the register and uh I met everybody and there were people and I met Matilda and I met Deborah and I met uh, Louise and and then they did the register and someone said Tilly and I was for weeks I didn't know who this what a Tilly was mm. and I felt too I thought I can't ask what's a Tilly because I have a feeling already that it's a stupid question and obviously it was the teacher knew Matilda well enough to call her Tilly I didn't know right and it just makes me think I like I think what you do is you very much sort of don't make anybody feel nervous about not knowing the the nugget of information that might have pass them by or that they may be missed out on it's like as you say it's all about making it accessible and not somebody sitting there too frightened to say I'm sorry I don't understand what that is yeah I mean that's that's really nice to hear because that's what what I want it to be like uh, you know on the podcast and kind of as a platform in general um but yeah I, I'm just very much a believer there's no such thing as a stupid question you know if you actually don't know the answer I mean and I'm also one of those people who's maybe too happy to just be like I don't know I've never heard of it I don't know the answer well I, I would love to learn it but I have no idea so I think I kind of like expect that other people are on that level too which hopefully it makes it feel welcoming. But I mean learning's a big thing for you is that something that you um I would guess it's sort of a twofold question. Is it something that you just found that you were naturally quite good at? Are you quite a good learner? Is that something that you felt very empowered with from a young age? Yeah, I think, yeah, I would say so. I was like quite, um, I mean, you can't tell from me talking like quite, um, um, (laughs) but I was a decent academic student at school. Like I, I tried hard, like I cared about school, but I also didn't find it that difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it came quite naturally to me. Like um, I'm a good exam taker, for example. So I think, you know, the way that our school system works, is very geared up to that. Um, however, then I also went on to my degree is in teaching. So I've always kind of loved that part of it as well. And yeah learning is just yeah something that I really love and enjoy it's definitely sort of a passionate thing for me so I think then through doing the podcast it's a weird one because even though 
I've done teaching and I've been a teacher, I don't like being in the expert position in a conversation because I mean, especially the conversations that we're having on the podcast, kind of the whole point of it is it's it's not things that I'm in an, an expert in and it's getting other people on to talk to and kind of I get to ask them questions I get to learn more about a subject and then you know that's the beauty of a podcast everyone else can listen in and hopefully enjoy the question <laughs> hopefully enjoy the questions that I'm asking but again that's the whole point of getting other people's questions too like I know that I am just one person and you know I can only come at a topic from my own experience and I don't come from any marginalized background so I've only got one particular perspective on things so yeah I definitely think it's important to get other people's questions in too but from my point of view it is just really um yeah indulging indulging myself in being able to ask people questions See, this is what I thought was quite interesting. So when we spoke last week, listeners, Gemma and I had a, a catch-up call last week and you were talking about, you know, my original plan was to be a teacher. And I said, well, you kind of are. And I sort of thought about that after our conversation. I wondered, and again, I have never done any teaching, so I don't necessarily know. But I thought that actually, if you took teaching in one hand and you took learning in another, teaching is perhaps more static of the two and learning is more dynamic because you gain something from it and I wondered whether it's maybe whether you really lean into the momentum of learning and gathering uh, and that the teaching is kind of a byproduct of that rather than the the main focus yeah maybe I think it's it's a funny one I do I personally definitely enjoy learning new things but then I guess it's maybe sort of you know that classic thing people say that when you're learning something you properly understand it if you can teach it to someone else Mm -hmm. so I feel like maybe it's part of that too as in I will learn about new things and then be able to put them out on the podcast so like be more involved in the topics and feel like I have a little bit more ownership over being able to present things on the platform that I have I suppose um yeah that's a good point I I haven't really thought about that before because I guess if you if you are somebody who found learning quite easy, if you were academic, mm. now I, Gemma, was not an academic at school. I sort of bumbled along like a flightless bird, sort of just about scraping by on exams. And I, again, I was thinking what you, I think, do really well is understanding what well, I, you can learn it. You kind of get it. You see it. It's like, yeah, I've computed that. And I guess the teaching thing is, is sort of pulling it apart and putting it back together again so that uh, different skill sets or different, uh, uh, should we say, speeds of learning, people who learn at a different speed mm. maybe can access it. And I think that's what you're able to do. I guess maybe being a good learner, you can then repackage it in a way that makes it accessible for anybody. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. And I suppose on some level, maybe that's what I was trying to do with, um, so at the end of each episode of the podcast I have a recommendations section so the guest who's been on will then recommend myself and listeners other things to go and kind of listen to afterwards if they were interested so I usually get a recommendation for something to listen to something to read and something to watch kind of around that subject but I think part of the idea of that was also like you say people learn in different ways people learn at different speeds so if you're somebody who might be interested in a subject 
and the way that you're going to connect to it the most and the way that you enjoy learning about something is by going and reading a book, then great. Here's a recommendation for that. A lot of people don't really pick up stuff in the same way through reading it on a page. Some people don't really like reading and you would rather sit and watch a documentary or listen to a podcast or you know, it's, it's not, it's sometimes the recommendations are literally like songs to make you feel a certain way. So I'm very, very open with what people want to recommend. But yeah, I think, yeah, maybe that's part of the, part of the teaching coming through, giving people sort of slightly different options to be able to then learn in their own way. <laughs> now, I was listening to a podcast at the weekend and it was uh, Joe Rogan chatting to David Sinclair. And he said something on the show that I thought was quite interesting. And I thought, oh God, actually that does apply to me. So I've been doing this podcast for five years and how many, how long have you got under your belt with Good Influence now? Not even a year yet. We're just um, nearly at the end of season two. So yeah, I'm quite, I'm a baby of the podcast world, really. But you've got quite a few episodes under your belt. You've got quite a lot of conversations under your belt. And Joe mm-hmm. was essentially saying when he went back and listened to some of the early things, he was like, man, I was dumb. And what I've been able to do through this podcast and by speaking to all these people is like, I'm actually quite smart now. I feel so much more competent in talking about things. Have you had that experience with uh, the podcast conversations you've had? Um, I definitely feel that on some of the topics we've talked about that I feel like I have a slightly different understanding. And the thing is that it's, it's quite a range of topics that we cover as well. So I'm trying to think back towards the beginning. So quite towards the beginning of season one, I did an episode on comparison with Lucy Sheridan. And that's the kind of thing where just the way she explains things really sort of stuck in my head. And I still will sort of think back to that sometimes. And that's a kind of like very everyday living your life thing like a very recent more recent episode um that's just come out this week actually is Callie Thorpe talking about confidence and communities and that that was a really lovely chat and sort of mental health in a roundabout way but more just kind of our thinking patterns day to day and those kind of conversations are really nice to then like take forward and sort of put into practice I suppose and then there's more practical things like um we've done sustainable fashion episodes. So then you get more sort of facts about things and they might change your behaviors, but that is, feels more like your standard kind of learning of information as in it's something that you didn't know and now Mm. you do know. So it's it's a real mixture, I think, but yeah, it's definitely the variety of guests that yeah, have definitely rubbed off on me. It's been really, really enjoyable. So if it was about shedding light on some of the topics that perhaps weren't getting in the mainstream, because it's so easy to consume media, we have echo chambers, we have algorithms that are influencing what we see. Mm -hmm. Was there a particular subject or was there a catalyst moment where you thought, I I absolutely, I, I feel like this needs to be out in the world because I'm just not seeing it. Was there any particular subject or topic that you just thought was, was the instigator for creating what you've created? Um, I think basically like to be quite honest I think there are so many people who I have learned so much from already purely through following them on probably Instagram and a lot of the guests who I've had on so far are people who I genuinely have followed for a long time and I've kind of reached out to and because they've been genuinely helpful and have taught me something already or you know I get some real 
value out of what they have to say. So a lot of the episodes have been, you know, based based on that. And it's that's been the really nice thing about personally kind of getting to choose all the episodes. And the idea for doing the podcast itself came from, so earlier last year, kind of not too far into when we'd gone into lockdown, I think it must have been. And, you know, we all had, well, I personally had a little bit more time on my hands um, and was thinking about what what I might like to do. And it's one of those things. So I will talk about some of these topics at various times sort of on my social platforms anyway, or I'll see a post and it'll teach me something and I share it on my stories, for example. And then there's always certain people or you know a subset of people who you can just tell whether it's kind of from like browsing dms or like if you see comments on a post there's always a certain number of people who are there for a deeper conversation about it there are also people who will maybe read the caption and think "Mm, yeah okay and then move on but you know maybe they'll take it in maybe they'll think about it later there's also people who just are there to like look at pictures and that's kind of fine too because social media is yours to do what you will with and if that's what makes you happy and using it then that's fine but for those people who were looking to have deeper conversations about things that we were sort of learning through I mean maybe maybe it is an echo chamber but the things that I'm like interested in keeping in that chamber that people wanted to talk about so things like sustainability and mental health and kind of learning about other things that affect people who aren't me, a whole whole bunch of things. So to that end, last year, I um, ended up making a Facebook group, which was called Good Influence. Um, The idea being that we could share about these topics and kind of have more conversations because it's a little bit easier to, um, I'm not a huge Facebook user in general anymore, Mm. to be quite honest. However, the Facebook group, is still a great medium for connecting with people who have similar interests and actually sort of having little conversations under the way that the comments are set up is a bit easier to keep track of maybe. And like the thing is with having the large platform that I'm lucky enough to have is it is quite hard to keep track of things in comments and stuff. Like like, I try, but it's just quite hard. So that was kind of where the idea for the Facebook group came from. And we have a little different topic every week that we will discuss and people submit different posts on topics. And it's also somewhere that people share good, good news stories from around the world. Like share, we've done loads of different, um, loads of different topics. We did, Towards the end of last year, I think it was one of one of the best best topics ever. We did a culture sharing week because it's a very international group. And loads and loads of people did like big posts on it might be their city or their country and kind of told us a bit about their culture and maybe different foods from where they're from and different like festivals and celebrations and loads of different stuff. It was just, yeah, it was a really lovely group. And that eventually transformed into the idea for the podcast and kind of really taking that on and hopefully being able to bring those kind of learning conversations to a lot more people that sounds lovely it sounds like getting to travel via a Facebook page (laughs) it was really nice I think I might I might actually might have to make that the topic of the week again soon because it was a great one 
It's that it sounds like a really good one. Now you've mentioned mentioned it a couple of times, and obviously, uh, regular listeners will know that we aren't shy about talking about our feelings here on the Emma Gunn Show, and <laughs> feelings we aren't shy, and also mental health. And I think I've been really candid on here about uh, the issues that I've had and work on, and you ha- you have as well. And it seems like quite a, a few of your conversations have centered around maybe the starting point had been something that you had experience and then you get people like mm. Matt Hagon and have a conversation about anxiety that was uh, sort of ended up focusing on anxiety in that conversation but was mental health uh, uh, an area that you felt was sort of not well served and was why you wanted to give it space on your show? It was definitely an area that I wanted to dedicate a portion of the podcast time to so it's not strictly a mental health podcast but what I will say is I notice in a lot of episodes even if we're not really doing the episode on mental health it always ends up coming in and I don't really know if that's just because it's something people know that I talk about so they kind of feel like it's something they can then bring up or sometimes I'll ask a question I I think it's one of these things when you start talking about it one people kind of expect you to keep talking about it Mm-hmm. and feel like they can talk to you about it which is great too but it's also like there's just there's so many examples I can already think of of when it happened so I had Michaela Loach on earlier this um, series and she was talking about um, a a campaign that she's doing and kind of uh, against the government essentially over oil and gas and we were talking about specifically about her campaign and about activism and then you just end up drifting into what the kind of mental impact is of doing that kind of work and I think that's the really nice thing that even though it's not strictly a mental health podcast I kind of end up almost accidentally bringing it in because I feel like there's so many different topics that you end up weaving mental health through and when you talk about things like sustainability it's then becomes quite hard not to mention things like climate anxiety because it's something that brings people a lot of stress so yeah to condense that very long already answer I think yeah mental health is definitely something that I was very keen to talk about whether that is on I've done episodes that are kind of on mental health more generally we've talked about anxiety specifically Matt Hay came on and we were talking about panic and panic attacks a bit more the very first episode of the podcast was with um good friend and friend of the podcast Charlie Cox who came on and was generous enough to talk very openly about bipolar and kind of it was important to me that's probably quite a good example to be fair to be able to get into these mental health issues that we maybe don't talk about quite as much as we should but also to be able to ask questions that maybe sometimes you feel like you can't I mean that was that was a a good one for me to start with because Charlie is a friend anyway but just to be able to ask somebody you know because there'll be listeners who won't know anyone with bipolar or won't really know much about it as an illness so just to be able to ask the very basic questions like you say no such thing as a stupid question you know what what is bipolar what does that mean for you in your life I feel like coming at it from a very basic level I have found quite valuable and I hope that other people have gained something from it so far 
Did you have questions about your own mental health that you were able to almost sort of navigate your own path by having conversations with people like Charlie? Because I think from my own personal experience, when I started the podcast, I would sort of reference it. Then I got diagnosed with depression. And then it was, Mm. I listened back and realized I had actually been asking in the guise of a conversation that I hadn't pitched as a mental health conversation. I realized I've been asking for help (laughs) of all my previous guests. Yeah. How did, how did you get over that terrible thing that happened to you? Because I was just looking for a, a key and I wasn't asking directly. I was very much asking in a sort of veiled way. Mm. And the diagnosis allowed me to then sort of pull that down and go, well, let's just, let's just be really direct about it. So I'd already had, I was diagnosed with, um, well, uh, let's, let's get into the timeline. I was diagnosed definitely with anxiety when I was about 19 depression I think around 20 then had gone ended up going back to doctors about 23 when I had very severe depression generalized anxiety disorder there were questions about mood disorders at different times and like that yeah there's been a lot of different stuff that's happened I feel relatively secure in knowing where my mind goes wrong now I suppose you could say so I think it's been really nice to be able to have those conversations and I think something that probably maybe makes it a better conversation in some of the episodes so for example I had um, Zoe Sugg on at the end of the last season and we talked a lot about anxiety and I think it ended up being a good conversation because I could really understand where she was coming from because I'd experienced it too um so I think maybe there's slightly different questions that I would think to ask because I already know but then it's this is the thing about mental health issues is they're they're different for everyone so then there will be other other people who've come on so I mean talk to Matt Haig about having panic disorder uh, so and then we talked we talked on that podcast episode about the one panic attack I've ever had in my life so I by no means have a panic panic disorder but yeah just being able to bring in my own experience I have found really helpful in talking to other people about mental health and I think it makes them maybe open up a little bit more because they also know that you know there's there's no judgment like I get it I'm mm. only here to talk about these things for the benefit of other people listening it's not like a nosiness it's empathy and kind of wanting to create like a community that can then be supportive for other people and I think anyone really who talks about mental health very publicly I feel like that's basically the goal is to make other people feel less alone I'm sure I'm sure you'd agree because I know I know you've talked about mental health a lot before as well do you mind me asking and obviously uh, you're entitled to your boundaries if I overstep just tell me and I'll back up oh okay <laughs> but when you uh, were diagnosed at 19 how did that feel to actually have a diagnosis um at 19 it's hard to say because so this was to give some context it was when so I th- I'd been I'd definitely been an anxious person for a lot longer than this and kind of I don't think it had been as disruptive up to that point that I had then gone to a doctor 
I found it quite difficult at that stage, I have to say, because so I'd gone to the GP at my university and they had basically, yeah, said that I was struggling with anxiety. The GP said that she thought it had a lot to do with um, a lack of self-esteem, which I think was probably quite nail on the head, but was quite difficult to hear that like, that's something that's quite hard to fix. Um, so yeah, she recommended me a book and then also booked me into um, a sort of group workshop kind of session on anxiety that they were running at that doctor's surgery. And I'm sure for a lot of people, it would have been really helpful for me personally. It wasn't the right environment. I think, I mean, especially let's, let's just take as a given that a lot of my sort of anxiety and low mood came and comes from a lack of self-esteem and kind of worries in those areas. I think sitting in a circle with a group of strangers I was never really going to open up to get the most out of that session to be honest so I'm sure for a lot of people it would have been great for me it didn't really do what I needed it to do I still have the book that she recommended on my shelf I did buy it I've never read it um which one was it I think it was literally called overcoming self overcoming low self-esteem I think and it's funny because I did mention this on an episode of the podcast recently so I think it was I was talking to Laura Whitmore on my podcast recently and I mentioned about getting this book and that I'd never read it and then a listener of the podcast lovely listener messaged me and said is it this book that you're talking about she was like check the author is it this one I was like yeah it's that one and apparently it's amazing and I really just need to give it a chance so I am I am actually planning on reading it because in a weird way I feel like it'll sort of circle a loop and sort of close off a tiny little maybe insignificant portion of that chapter but yeah it's I think um it was it was a tough time I think it took me quite a few years to get the kind of help that I actually needed more than that I think sometimes I think about um the life I lived before I had any diagnoses mm. and so there's a part of me that when I hear you got diagnosed at 19 I feel really envious because mm. I actually didn't get my diagnosis until I was 37, which meant I'd spent a long time out in the world being a complete jerk. <laughs> oh, that's so tricky. Had you gone to doctors like a long time before that and they had kind of hadn't really identified it or did you not even know to go? I didn't know to go. I just yeah. thought my default setting was unhappy mm -hmm. and always fighting because there was always some invisible, someone trying to you know I don't know con me or have one over on me or something there was a very so I didn't know I just thought that that was normal and so I was sort of that's not a helpful way to live oh that's so hard it really really makes me feel for you a lot I think that's one of the reasons why I mean you know you'll always get the naysayers who are kind of you know oh everyone's got mental health problems now and like, oh everyone needs to stop talking about mental health they don't because there are still people who don't know how much happier they can be than what they are like I relate to that so much so this was several years later and I was um was it the first time I was on antidepressants maybe like a few weeks into actually being properly medicated I just remember one morning where I woke up and I didn't feel sad and I just burst into tears because I didn't realize that you could even wake up and just feel 
neutral. It wasn't that I woke up and felt really happy. It's not like antidepressants, I don't think, give you a kind of, they don't give you an ecstatic, over-the-top happy feeling. They just let you feel normal. And I couldn't remember the last morning that I'd woken up and not felt sad when I woke up. And it's so emotional. And I think that just to me is why it's important and why these conversations still need to be had. And I think, I mean, I can empathize to be fair, people who will kind of poo-poo these conversations and think that they're not necessary and think that they're not important probably don't have any experience of this kind of illness. And good for them, to be honest. I don't wish that they would. I don't wish that someone else needed to be as ill as I have been at points to understand how I feel because that doesn't really help anyone. It wouldn't really make me feel any better. I don't want other people to suffer. But it's difficult sometimes when people don't take this stuff seriously because it is serious and it kills people essentially. And it's just, even if it doesn't kill people, it hurts and it harms people for years because they don't know that there's another way. Sorry, I've really gone off for emotional. No, emotional. <laughs> no, and I really appreciate it because some, somebody was trying to get me to explain. They were like, how does it feel when you've got anxiety and depression? How does it feel? And I was like, pain. And, that, and, and I feel weird saying that now. And I have a, I, I have, um, it's not a clear cut case of it, but I was chatting to Julia Samuel recently and it was actually after we'd stopped recording my podcast. Mm. And we'd done an exercise on the show and she said there was something going on, what was going on. And I said, I think I've got survivor's guilt because I feel really guilty if I express on the podcast that the majority of the time I feel all right now. I'm always very clear, you know, recovery is not linear, but I have a Mm. sense of guilt because I don't want anyone who is listening to A, feel they're wrong or that just you know you can be fixed like that because it's so Mm -hmm. nuanced and multi-layered and there is a sense what you were saying of for the first sort of couple of years after I really felt like I got things together I would get this overwhelming urge several times a day as if I was about to cry Mm. and it took me ages to figure out what it was and it was just so grateful I didn't feel terrible (laughs) yeah and that's a weird emotion to explain to someone who hasn't been there I guess I mean I think everybody understands you know the concept of like happy tears and maybe someone cries at a wedding or you know but it's quite it's quite hard to understand the beauty of like neutral tears when you're just so used to things just being grey and bleak and awful just to not be so deep in the fog you just feel so grateful for so yeah I think I I do. I genuinely, I understand that it's hard for people to understand if you haven't lived it basically. But I think that's why it's important to talk about it still. And you also said there about the grayness and the fog. And actually sometimes if I'm trying to communicate with somebody about how I manage the recovery, I'll say, well, I feel as though my mental health issues have a color and a shape and a taste, and I can sort of see them mm. in the distance now. And it made me think about when you said that, did you ever did you feel as though you just woke up one day and you were wearing a lens or an Instagram filter of fog and grayness? Or do you think it happened very gradually? Because I think for me, that's what's so sinister about it is that it can take you over very, very slowly and you don't even realise it's happening until the fog is so thick. 
That's a really interesting question. I'm trying to think back and remember. I don't, I don't. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Remember it being a very... I don't know. I kind of, I almost don't remember it being gradual. And I think there's some parts you kind of block out because at the same time you are just living your life while trying to get through this. And especially when it's, you know, it's, you might be in the milder stages of a depressive episode, for example, or you're just kind of, you're not, not deeply in a bad place with depression, but it's just there all the time. I think it's quite hard to identify. And one of the things I struggled with and why I didn't go maybe back to a doctor when I should have was because I I found it quite easy at that time to rationalize why I felt sad because there were sad things happening in my life at the time like there was a family member who obviously I loved a lot who was very ill and that was very hard to deal with and it's I'm kind sorry. of thank you um yeah it's I think it's easy done sometimes I mean there's there are there's such a thing as situational depression in which you you are sad and can be depressed and the depression is caused by circumstances around you essentially and there's also not that and just depression that you know this is when you look at people and you think oh your life's so perfect how could you possibly be depressed like this is depression that doesn't follow anyone else's rules it just it is what it is and I'm sure you know this you look at yourself in that situation and think why am I depressed what's wrong with me but at that time yeah I did just kind of rationalize it to myself and say well of course I'm sad how could I not be sad like anyone suggesting that there was something wrong was kind of like well of course I feel terrible like would, would you not feel terrible but it's when it obviously goes beyond that and then yeah I mean things had to get had to get quite bad before before I then went back to a doctor but it's hard it's hard to see it in yourself I think I had to, I honestly I can't even remember the question you asked me I've completely <laughs> completely gone off the rails no and one thing another thing is I'm always trying to think about that person who's listening who maybe 
something that we've already said in this conversation has made them think, ah, okay, it's time I go to the doctor because maybe suddenly realize that this is more than I thought it was. Was there a particular, Philippe, what was the uh, thing that made you go to the doctor? And did you go and say, I'm coming to you because I need help because I think I'm anxious or because I'm feeling this way? Because for me, it was actually, I'm gaining a lot of weight and I'm very, very stressed. And, and it wasn't, I didn't go thinking, I need you to tell me that I have anxiety and or depression. I was going because the physical manifestations of it were troubling me and I wasn't really paying attention to the underlying issue. Yeah. So I went back to the doctor when I was around 23 or 24, I think. And I ended up going back because I was suicidal, essentially, which I actually don't know if I've ever really talked about before because it feels like, I mean, it's obviously something that's quite difficult to talk about, but also... I don't know. I definitely think it's a topic where you don't want to say the wrong thing. And I also, it's hard. I think it, I think it would be really hard for, I don't know, for like family members to hear as well. That's somewhere it's, it's, it's difficult, but yeah, no, in all honesty, it was because I was suicidal by that point because my depression had got so bad and I went to the doctor because I was terrified that I was going to do something to hurt myself because I feel like I'd had the thoughts and the feelings for a while and that was one particular evening where I just suddenly got a bit scared of myself and thought that this might I, I could I could imagine it properly happening for the first sort of the first sort of time really and it was so scary to have that in your own head and I was very lucky that so my friend Rachel was who I can't remember I can't even remember if I called her or texted her I can't even remember how I had the conversation with her um but I think I texted her and basically said like I need you to take me somewhere or that like I'm I'm not okay right now and she was quite a new friend as well so and she's she's one of my best friends now still this was years ago um but yeah, so what, yeah, what ended up happening was she came, I think she came and picked me up and took me to her flat and basically put me in her spare bedroom for the night where there was no possible way that I could have myself in that room. And then, yeah, the next day um, I got very on top of going to doctor's appointments. And I, yeah, again, I'm very lucky that other people stepped in, recommended me a doctor, said go here where there isn't a wait time because at that time I really didn't feel like I had a wait time to give anyone which that makes me really sad in itself because not everybody would maybe have that option and then it's I you know I am lucky that I didn't have to go to A&E for example but I had someone who could look after me and it's obviously very different in different situations and I don't think it would have been a bad thing if I'd ended up you know going to some emergency sort of service I think that's what I was at I think that's where I was asking her to take me when I text her but I think she knew that yeah it would maybe be less traumatic for me um to do it the way that I did it but yeah I don't think I've actually ever talked about that before so I don't know if I've made any sense that I'm kind of remembering it off this was yeah this was probably seven years ago or so so yeah it's quite a long time ago well thank you and I really appreciate you sharing that because I know that is really really personal and really 
I will use the word precious because it is quite fragile in the wrong hands. <laughs> Do you know mm. what I mean? Like it is that kind yeah. of thing that you say out loud and you're holding it like a gentle newborn baby and you sort of want everyone else to treat it the same way. Yeah, no, I feel like I need to like just do a deep breath now. Like, but this this is the thing. It's it's one of those things where like I I talk about mental health a lot, and it's not something that I feel ashamed of. It's not that I haven't talked about it because I think I shouldn't. But one, it's very emotional, and two, I think going back to, you know, the thing that you were talking about of kind of survivor's guilt. It's kind of when you come out of the darkest periods of depression, you do get that kind of survivor's guilt feeling that, you know, other people haven't come out of that place or maybe didn't have the support to come out of that place or just haven't managed it yet. And I think, I mean, maybe I should talk about it more because... I mean, it's an example, isn't it? And I think that's maybe what you need to hear because when you're in that place, you just truly don't believe that you will ever feel happy again. And you will, I can tell you, you definitely will. You might not feel on top of the world every day, but you will 100% feel so many, so many times better than you feel right now. And I know you feel 0% happy right now if you're listening to this and that's actually how you're feeling but you can feel so much better than this and you can get it back and there will be so many more happy times and that is a promise. Do you feel as though that experience has actually amplified your enjoyment of life? Sort of knowing, it's that sort of weird sort of mix, isn't it? Of knowing that life can get that dark and then it sort of spurring you on to make sure that you enjoy the light, the light. Let's let's just use the light and dark analogy. Yeah. And running towards the light a bit more. And do you feel that the work that you've done since protects you from going that dark again, hopefully? I mean, I always hope so. I've definitely, you know, I've had like periods of depression since then, and I'm not, you know, not immune to the fact it may happen again. But I think that experience has definitely I don't know if it's made me kind of enjoy things more but it's definitely made me pay attention to what I actually enjoy and definitely in my early 20s I would do more things that now I wouldn't really find that fun and I mean to be fair also I'm 30 now so maybe I just don't want to be out but also that means nothing because a lot of like my friends and friends who are older than me like would still love going clubbing and can't wait to get back to the clubs I don't want to do it and I always would and so like sometimes sometimes I go to things and especially if it's with friends you know who would make me feel safe and maybe it wouldn't be a ridiculous crowd but now I think it is just knowing like to find yeah to find the lightness and the happy bits it doesn't mean that you have to do really extreme things you sort of just notice it it's, it's probably like I was talking about that day when I woke up and just didn't feel sad I still genuinely I feel grateful for a day where I just feel meh <laughs> because you know that like 
it can be so much worse than that. And like a really boring, mediocre day. Like I'm not running around doing circles in my living room thinking, hooray, I've had a really like boring day. But it's just, I feel like you just think about things in a certain way. It does really reframe I don't know, priorities, perspective. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it definitely reframes something. And I think, yeah, it's small things then. Maybe you just notice them and you wouldn't have previously noticed them. And you just, yeah, I think you definitely appreciate smaller things more. You mentioned earlier self-esteem and I sort of resisted jumping onto it immediately because that was definitely tied into my mental health issues as well. I never formed a sense of self, let alone self-esteem. And so I think a little bit, if I'm getting the right idea from what you were saying, is I almost spent too much of my time, A, trying to whittle myself into a shape that wasn't me because I wanted to fit in and running towards other people's light. So thinking, well, they are really, they're made joyful by that thing or they seem to have fun doing that but then I would do mm. it and then I would hate myself for not enjoying it <laughs> but but I never asked yeah. me, you're going to enjoy that nightclub for the record I cannot stand nightclubs and I've sat in the corner with a face on in most of them that I've ever been to <laughs> just waiting for them to turn the lights up oh, I know it, it does make me feel like a boring person sometimes <laughs> but the thing is I just I just enjoy different things and you know what if the things that I enjoy actually are objectively more boring than your average person who cares like somebody else will enjoy it, even if nobody else enjoys it like it just it doesn't matter maybe I'm a slightly boring person like, <laughs> I can live with that if I'm a boring person who is definitely more happy than I used to be fine I will take that any day yeah that's a good point did, did you feel that maybe the version of you pre-diagnosis and I know it was a journey but um do you feel that the version of you now is the real you and the person before was maybe trying to be trying to be somebody but not necessarily paying attention to the things that you liked how you felt when things were happening yeah I think I mean I definitely feel like myself now but I also very much believe that how I feel now will change again at some point I think it's just part of you know going through life and being a person I don't look at myself in my early 20s and it wasn't like I was faking my life I never felt like that so I don't know my like my relationships were real and my friendships were real and when I went out and went to club nights and things it wasn't I always had a horrible time and it didn't didn't even always feel like I shouldn't be there it's just kind of I don't know. I mean, people change too. Like I was a lot younger, but I think, yeah, knowing what I know now and having those experiences, I think, I think it's it's hard to say that I would change it because during that time of my life, I met a lot of people who are now still my best friends and who I see all the time. And yeah, who are like a very big part of my life. So I, I find it hard to think that I would actually change any of it because if I hadn't done all those things, then there are a lot of people who I wouldn't have now who I do have. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't, for that for that sake, I wouldn't change it, to be honest. That's a weird thing to say because, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of the sadness that I would take away. But actually, maybe I'm just super lucky in the nice friends that I have, but they're worth it. That is really lovely. Um. That is really lovely. And that's quite profound, actually, to think about that, like that 
even though the journey was difficult, you wouldn't change it because of what you, like the mates that you accumulated yeah. along the way. Yeah, I feel like there's, you know, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like, oh, I don't know. What's that film? The Butterfly Effect? I haven't seen it. I'm bringing this up as a reference. I kind of know what the point of it is. That, you know, the smallest things change and decisions are different. And then, yeah, yeah your life goes a totally different way, which is actually very freeing. And this is something that Matt Haig was talking about on my podcast, because it does also mean that, you know, you can change a lot of things in your life at any time and kind of take it on a different, different sort of strand of the timeline, if you like. But yeah, no, all things considered, I've got a lot of got a lot of very lovely people in my life. So I think I think I have to have to be grateful for that at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think as well, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way about just the experience. I don't know, obviously, not with uh, people going through illness and whatnot, but I think some of the challenges that I went through, I do sort of think, well, you have a choice of how you come out of this. And I do think my character is hopefully nicer and more more robust. And I was chatting to a friend yeah. who really struggles with anxiety. And he said, I see it as my superpower. It's absolutely my superpower. I have heightened awareness in every single situation and do not try mm. and tell me that does not give me some sort of superpower. And I, I kind of, I, I really like that. <laughs> Yeah, that is, I mean, that is a lovely way to think about it. I wish I felt the same, to be honest. I wish I could turn down the dial on my senses or anxiety at some of the time. To be honest, even aside from anxiety, actually, is it aside from anxiety? Has anxiety given me this personality? I don't know. I'm just, I'm a very sensitive person. So in the same way, yeah, I'm quite like aware and tuned into things around me sometimes. And that can, that can be very helpful. The one thing I will say, I do think it's made me a far more empathetic person than I maybe would have been otherwise. And I think it has given rise to conversations with other people that otherwise maybe wouldn't have happened. Um, so because I've had these issues and these experiences, other people have come to me and talked about things when they've been struggling with things. And that has been something that I've been very grateful to then be able to be in that position for other people and be there to support someone else when they need it. Because I was lucky enough to have that, like I said, my friend Rachel, who thank God was there for me. Mm. That is one of the great things about talking about mental health is that, yeah, sometimes it does mean that people then come to you for support on things. And yeah, I'm grateful to be able to do that for other people too now. Not that that's a weekly thing, but you know, it, does, it happens <laughs> sometimes. And that's, yeah, when it's people close to you, especially, it's it's nice to be able to feel like, yeah, you can give them something helpful. It's funny, I think both of us have got these podcast platforms and I feel very comfortable uh, sharing my journey and my issues and talking really openly about the things that I went through in the hope that they'll help. But mm. uh, very early on, I, I found it difficult to send the ladder back down, not because I didn't want to, but because I was scared, I didn't know if I was on stable ground. So if somebody would communicate yeah. with me, I would think, I want to tell you everything, but I can I can see it so clearly that I don't want to get too close to it in case it suffocates me again. And now obviously I totally yeah. appreciate it, can't do that. Yeah, no, I no, I understand that feeling too, honestly. I think, uh, yeah, like a clear example of that that I can think of is, um, so there's a a sort of text support platform called Shout. I don't know if you've heard of it, but... I'll add it to the show notes, listeners. 
So if if you're somebody and you feel like it's basically it's a crisis text line in the UK. So if you feel like you're really in need of someone to talk to, you know, whether you're in like a, a, a very, very dark place or whether you've just had a really rubbish day and you just need somebody to talk to about it. Basically, they're there for that. And I, that's an amazing platform. And I've kind of been to like see how it works before and have posted about it. And like, I'm really happy to support them as a platform. However, back to your point. I was thinking quite a lot at the time when I was talking to them, I was like that volunteering on that platform is something that I would really like to do to be able to kind of then be there to support other people. And I had, I was talking to someone about the training and kind of got, they sort of showed me what the back end of the platform was. And I think, I don't think, I don't think they would like show anyone like a real conversation, but it was like a training example of a conversation that you might have on their platform and yeah I was reading messages you know from someone who was very much in a very difficult place and just as I was reading it I kind of got the lump in my throat and I was like oh I wish I could but I can't do this right now like for me I just wasn't in a position where I felt strong enough to be able to carry someone else's pain and feel responsible for it which I think, I mean, if you're somebody who can do that and you have, you know, the hours a week to sit at your laptop for a little bit, you know, I think I think you can do like maybe two hours a week or something as a minimum. And yeah, just, just talk to people who need you and they give you all the training and everything. I think people who are able to do that are incredible. And I still, I hold out hope that I think, you know, maybe one day, one day I might be able to do that. But I know exactly what you mean in terms of like, it's very hard, at least in my experience, for a certain period of time to put a real connection back to that really hard place. I keep talking about um, Matt Haig's episode in my podcast, but we kind of talked about a similar thing because it was a question that I asked him um, because in The Midnight Library, which was a recent book of his that has done so, 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 so well, a fabulous book, um, but he is writing a character who is suicidal. And I had kind of asked him a similar question to what you asked me, which was, you know, had, did you find that really hard to write? Because I think I would find that really hard to write. That was definitely me projecting onto him. And he said he kind of didn't and had enough sort of distance from it. And like, he would maybe, maybe feel a bit sad when he was writing it, but it didn't really drag him down anywhere. And that's quite hopeful for me, I think, because I think for Matt, it's probably been a longer time since he was first diagnosed and since he first started having issues. But I think it's always nice to hear examples of people, you know, when they're further down the path than you are and you do get a bit more distance from it and feel a bit safer from it, I think. So that's something, yeah, that I hope hope I will get to at some point. I, I mean, I'm probably better now than I was in that story. But yeah, I think it's like you say, it's very much not a linear thing. So, yeah. But I think I was chatting to someone the other day, someone on a Q&A on Instagram said to me, um, what, what if you have bad days? Like they were going through it and they were saying they were having bad days. And I think you have to, one of the most helpful things for me was flipping. So flipping meaning rather than seeing the world as something that was attacking me all the time, just taking the moment to look at what was happening and think, how is this? 
how is this potentially the universe trying to make me have the best day ever? <laughs> which is which is obviously really twee and sort of a silly, but it worked. It really worked for me. And I so That's I was great. saying <laughs> so I was saying every time you have a bad day, mm-hmm. like some sometimes push through it and go, I'm not going to give you the time of day. And sometimes lean into it, turn the computer off, lie in front of the television, and use it as a chance to measure how far you've come. Because this one bad day, mm. 18 months ago, nine months ago, how many would have really leveled you and it's not mm. you've just gone oh this is a bad day so I'm just gonna kick my heels off and watch Real Housewives like that sort of takes the sting out of it I think yeah I think I think that's something that you learn as well and some it's quite like I feel like when you've had bad depression and then you have a bad day or a few bad days it's it's the panic that kind of takes you over that you're headed you're like slipping back down the hill and you're not going to be able to sort of go the other way back up the slide yeah I think it's partly that that makes you feel worse because you don't just think I'm having a bad day. You think I'm having a bad day. So I'm going to have lots of really, really bad days. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. I just think you'll always come to the end of a stretch. And yeah, I think like you say, sometimes giving into it is the way to go, which doesn't always feel great. And I think, I mean, there's certain things that you can do and try and like you say if you had certain coping mechanisms sometimes you just have a rubbish day but I think a good thing to remember is sometimes everyone has a rubbish day not people who have depression and Mm -hmm. go into depressive episodes sometimes you just have a really can I do I swear on your podcast go ahead sometimes sometimes you just have a shit day and it just is one of those days but I think yeah I don't know I think therapy helped me with that a lot as well because that gave me more tools in kind of looking at my thoughts as they came in if you will um so yeah sort of realizing what kind of what kind of bad thoughts or what was making it a bad day and sometimes I'm not even really thinking anything when I have a bad day I just I'm tired and a bit grumpy and just feel rubbish but then yeah that's one of the things that I find yeah find most helpful is just realizing that just because you have one bad day doesn't mean that the whole week is written off as a bad week. Doesn't mean the whole month is written off as a bad month. Doesn't mean you're on a slippery slope. It's just a bad day. Now, I know that we are drawing to the end of our time together. I don't want to be too rude and sort of uh, take up too much of your time, but I do want to ask you something because I I have a feeling there might be listeners curious about this. Um, you talked about Rachel having a, a great friend that you could chat to. And I mm. wondered if you could shed any light on co- uh, communicating that you are struggling with your mental health to loved ones or to friends in a way that uh, you found to be helpful because uh, I know a lot of people say, and, and I had experience of this, of, of saying, I really, really need help. I really, really need help. And it felt like I was speaking plainly in English, but what was being heard was not the, not the words that I had said. And I wondered if you had any experience of that. I mean trying to think back there's certainly been times where I've done the opposite thing and there was like definitely a a period of years where it would be like people close to me would notice if they suddenly couldn't get hold of me and I just wasn't really replying to any texts or anything and if it goes on for long enough I get the text that's like hi you're not talking to anyone are you in the bad place what's going on and then like kind of have to poke me a little bit because I'm not great at that I have to say I mean that example from when 
from when yeah I'd text Rachel on on a bad bad night that was yeah I think I mean literally I think I said I, I think I need you to take me somewhere but that is not probably very helpful to other people because she knew exactly what I meant in that case but I think saying that it can sometimes be as simple as kind of trying to set up a system so I know other people who've done this and kind of if you have a conversation with someone about your mental health when you're not quite at the worst time and set up some kind of signaling service so my signal of not talking to anyone is not supremely helpful but I do know people who will do this and it could literally be as simple as like a certain emoji or something and you can literally like if you have talked about it before and you can literally it's like if you send just send this emoji to your friend who knows what it means and they know that you're seriously not feeling good and you need something and I mean that also obviously relies on on having the person there and having had that conversation as well because I know that that's a really hard thing to do at the beginning I know I've you know got enough years under my belt that I've had this conversation a number of times but I know that that is really hard to do but I will say if you feel like you haven't really been able to communicate to someone how you're feeling or the severity of it and you're thinking I wish I had a friend like that because I don't there are then always other people who you can talk to so for example shout who I spoke to I mean there are other you know phone lines that you can ring I think I would have found that quite difficult because like it's quite hard when you're really in the thick of it to talk about anything without just crying or it's for me anyway so texting is a good way but it also means that those people can you know they're not going to wave a magic wand at you but they can even just maybe give you some guidance on how to communicate what you're feeling to other people and let them know what you need because it might just be you know I I feel like people people are good at doing it when they can really see why somebody's sad so like if your friend has a really bad breakup you'll text them and be like do you want me to come around and just sit and watch tv you don't even have to talk to me just be in the room with them and I think people don't always know when is the time to do that when it's a friend with depression so I think yeah if you can try and set up some kind of I don't know bat signal to just make it make it easier for you yeah just like, sort of do your future self a favor and so you don't have to have the really hard conversation at that time so somebody already knows just that you're feeling rubbish and tell them what you need when they ask if you need them to come and sit with you and do nothing tell them that mm. because they might not know what to do either if you want to talk to them about it and just have them listen tell them that that's what you want if you want them to just talk to you about something completely different and just take your mind off it kind of yeah just have a think about what's actually going to make you feel better in that moment I suppose because it can be hard to see but also people aren't mind readers and if they haven't experienced it then it can be quite hard to know what to say to someone in that situation and that's again I think something that you can have empathy for from both sides but if you are if you feel able to give yourself that kind of setup system in advance, then it might be something that you'll be quite grateful for down the road, I think. It's funny you say that. I have um, two friends who live within 15 minute drive from me. And I started talking really op openly on the podcast about my mental health. Mm. And they both separately said, 
we, we listen to your podcast obviously we're your friends like we're 15 minutes down the road and we had no idea separately yeah. they both said like you could have come over or I would have come round. and again it's that thing people don't necessarily see it people don't might not necessarily and you might not have the vocabulary or you might not you might think it's really obvious I thought I was yeah. walking around absolutely like hello I literally with a sign above my head saying struggling Mm. and yet no one else saw that yeah it's tough it is tough I think on both sides it's tough to to know exactly what you're putting out there because you know some people will be will think they're very visibly depressed maybe some people will hide it as much as possible so it is yeah it's hard to know but then yeah from the other side same unfortunately but again this is why you have to talk about these things yeah, I do the same thing I just complete I, my MO is I just withdraw completely that's like disappear from the universe exactly or just like become visible in certain <laughs> in certain places like a like a comet <laughs> oh yeah oh there she oh no she's gone again didn't get a chance to talk to her oh she seems busy and fine um I honestly could talk to you for another three hours about this uh but maybe so maybe you'll just have to come back there you go. Open invitation. Maybe, maybe one day. Yeah, I think it would be an excessively long podcast if we went on too much longer. But that's what happens when you talk about mental health. I'll, I'll shut up now. No, it has been, it's honestly, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you. And I really appreciate the way in which you've spoken about mental health. And I really appreciate and value and cherish your honesty, because honestly, I, I know that um, information is really precious uh, personal information is really precious so thank you for sharing and I will thank obviously you for having me on I will obviously share all of the links to get influence to you and everything in the show notes but um this has been a really special conversation thanks Gemma thanks Emma thank you Thank you so much for listening. I do hope that you found that conversation between Gemma and me helpful. If you'd like to get in touch with me, please don't hesitate to email me on thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or you can always DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. And if you'd like to chat to me and thousands of other listeners of this podcast, then please don't hesitate. Go to the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode and click the link to join the Facebook forum. There are thousands of your fellow listeners in there and we would love to see you. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one.